Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. I am always looking for a great gift idea, and Kokanoo Personal Lubricants are always a huge hit for your partners and the perfect Valentine's Day gift. If you're making clean ingredient swaps, it is so important to make sure you are getting quality ingredients that are good for your body, inside and out. Kokanoo oil and water-based lubricants have the healthiest ingredients list I've seen. They use all natural ingredients, are cruelty-free, made in the USA, and their packaging is plastic-free. For an exclusive discount code, head to kokanoo.com. That is coconut without the T. And use code CARALYN15 for 15% off your order. That's K-A-R-A-L-Y-N-N-E-1-5. My code stacks with their on-site discounts. So order today and thank me tomorrow. Steve Ravelli joined American Biotech Labs Manufacturing after retiring from 30 years in science and health education. During his tenure at ABL, he has helped the company develop antimicrobial cosmetics and wound care products. His passion has always been to educate people about their health and wellness. Outside of ABL, you can find him officiating track and field meets as a USATF master's level official or somewhere in the world officiating World Cup bobsled and skeleton races for the International Bobsled and Skeleton Federation. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, I actually am really excited to have our guest because he is actually the chemist that I have been working with for a lot of my new products and some new products coming out this year in 2023. And you guys, he is a wealth of knowledge. He is so smart and knows just everything about ingredients and products and the chemistry behind different ingredients, things like that. So thank you, Steve, for taking the time to be here on the show today. You're very welcome. I'm happy to be here. Will you tell my listeners just a little bit about yourself and your background and maybe how you got involved in science? Oh, I've been a science nerd from a very young age. (laughs) And uh, so I'm a retired educator, but retirement for educators means we go from three jobs to two jobs. And so my neighbor's been after me, well, for years and years uh, since the company first came online, you know, for... 20 years ago to uh, quit education and go to work. Well, I retired with my 30 years in education and uh, came to work full time for my neighbor's company, which is a silver company. And uh, so, yeah, I've, I've taught on university level and, and uh, high school level. And so I had a great career in education. And so I'm just kind of keeping going and teaching people about silver and its uses. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my background. Okay, and that's what I want to talk to you today about is silver, because anytime I have a question, you know everything about it. You have educated me so much on it, and so I want to educate the listeners on silver and why I use silver in my products and things like that. So let's just start at the very beginning, the very basics. What is colloidal silver? Well, that's a really kind of a loaded <laughs> question with uh, the history and the marketing that's going on right now. Uh, But anyway, let's go over the scientific definitions and go from there. Uh, The definition of a colloid is is a particle that is suspended permanently in a solution. 
And that's the true definition of a colloid. A lot of the colloid silvers out there right now are not really colloids because they're actually just ionic silver. Ionic silver is just a single silver atom that's missing an electron. So I'm going to go into a little bit of chemistry here, so hopefully not too deep. But anyway, so uh, a lot of the ionic silvers out there are actually called solutions and not called colloids. There are some colloids out there that meet that definition. And there's some colloids out there that have, actually have particles that are too big to meet the definition. Usually the particle size, the maximum particle size is around 100 nanometers. Our particles are between 5 and 15 nanometers. Uh, and they're very unique. Okay, so before we go on about parts per million and things like that, because I do want to talk to you about parts per million size, things like that. But where does colloidal silver come from? Uh, colloidal silver, the silver particle that we use actually comes from what we call 4-9 silver, 99.99, actually it's 5-9 silver, 9% pure silver. And our unique process is able to grab those silver particles from purified silver wire in this case, and uh, it does something amazing to it. It actually coats those miniature silver particles with a coating that is highly antimicrobial. It is a, a comp well, it's a compound molecule type thing called AG404 or tetrasilver tetraoxide. Okay, so your silver, well, first of all, let's say not all silvers are created equal, correct? Very true, very true. And so this is where some of the confusion comes out there in the marketing world, because I tell my people, not all protein powders are created equal. We've got some, like mine, <laughs> that I think are amazing. And then you've got others full of artificial ingredients. You know, they've got issues with the heavy metals and different things with hormones and GMO food. And anyways, they're so different. So the same is true with silver, correct? Correct. Uh, a lot of silvers are out there. Like I said, the main silver product that's out there that most companies have is just strictly ionic silver. And I'll explain why that's not a great plan app, you know, in, in just a little bit. The other silvers that are out there are what we call coated silvers. One of them is actually coated with protein. One of them is coated with polysaccharides. One of them is actually coated with fat. And so they tout that they are colloids, which some of them meet the colloid requirement, but it's the body... Uh, body's ability or the bioactivity of those silvers that I call into question. Okay, so because the silvers are different, they're going to do different things in our body, the silvers. So what does the silver that you guys create, the colloid silver that you guys make, what does it do in the body? Well, our, our silver particle, again, is absorbed in what we call the mucosa, our immune support. Uh, we actually have two basic types, three basic types of products. We have an immune support product, which you can take internally. We have wound uh, gels that act for uh, wound healing. And then we have uh, cosmetics uh, that are topical. Uh, so with, with that in mind, uh, our silver product actually is very much uh, absorbed in the body in the mucosa. The mucosa is basically the oral cavity, the lining of the mouth, and the esophagus is where our silver is mainly absorbed. For example, some some drugs that are out there, you know, you, you put them under your tongue or whatever the case might be, and they're absorbed very quickly. And it's the same way with our silver product as well. So once it's in the bloodstream, it basically goes everywhere in the body except across the blood-brain barrier. The, the silver products 
are not found in the brain or spinal cord or anything else like that, because that's a very special place in the body that you really shouldn't put anything foreign in it whatsoever. But once in the body, it basically travels to every cell in the body. And what our immune support does is it takes care of your bio load. And what I mean by bio load is we all have microbes in our, um, in our bodies. And those are basically bacteria and yeast and molds and, and they're opportunistic. And what I mean by that, I'm a microbiologist as well, is they're just kind of waiting for a chance to cause uh, some pathology, some disease. And so what our immune support does is it takes care of that bioload so the immune system can do what it's supposed to do. And that's how we support the immune system. So that's kind of what our silver does. But the nice thing about our silver product that other silvers can't really claim is that we have studies done that we actually cleared out of the body within 36 to 72 hours. And so our silver goes in, does what it's supposed to do, and then leaves the body without any uh, any problems. So when you say that the silver goes in the body and does its job and then leaves, what is that job? Just getting rid of the pathogenic cells? Yes, yes. You know, and our particle is unique because it actually knows the difference between a pathogenic microbe and a probiotic. Our has been proven through studies. Again, we have lots and lots of science behind our studies that it will go in and it will basically take care of those pathogens, but it will not harm the probiotic flora and fauna that we have in our bodies. I'm glad you brought that up because people say don't take silver orally because it will destroy the good bacteria in your gut. So that is not true for your silver. That's correct. And it turns out, though, that all silver can get to a point to where it does harm probiotics. We have found and done studies that if you have any silver that is above 35 ppm for the most part, and that's the concentration value of silver, it will harm probiotics, including ours. So that's why we can do what we do under that 35 ppm mark better than the competitors out there. Okay, so let's explain this. So 35 parts per million or more, it's too high of a concentration, so it will destroy the good bacteria and the bad bacteria, to put it in simplified terms. But if it's Correct. less than 35 parts per million, there are studies out there showing that it does not destroy the good bacteria, only the bad. That's correct. And can you explain why that is? Well, silver is, is toxic to, uh, to certain cells. And once you get above that toxicity limit, it is actually toxic to most cells, uh, including our cells. And so uh, that's what's so unique about our product is we can basically just destroy those pathogens and keep them down and inhibit their growth more than, I mean, I've seen products out there that has 20,000 parts per million. I would never put that silver in my body because, it, you know, it's just too, too concentrated. Okay. So just like we said, all protein powders are not created equal. All silvers are not created equal. And one of the big things people should look for on the label is the parts per million and stay below that 35 parts per million. Absolutely. Okay. And I know you probably just scared some listeners because you said silver is toxic. But under 35 parts per million, it's toxic, meaning it destroys the bad bacteria, correct? That is correct. It doesn't have any harm to our cells or any probiotic cells whatsoever. And silver has a, a, some really interesting modes of action. 
And uh, well, and a lot of people say, well, a bacteria is a bacteria. And that's simply not true. Most people don't understand the genetics behind and what the actual bacteria is. I mean, a probiotic bacteria uh, versus a pathogenic bacteria is like comparing us to a giraffe. They are that different. And that's why the silver can distinguish between the bad and pathogenic cells versus the good ones. That's correct. Okay, so we've talked about the parts per million and how that plays a critical role in the silver that you choose. But another thing that you hear a lot out there is, well, the silver can deplete you of minerals. It can be metabolized by cells and therefore stay in your body. Is this the case with your silver? Well, there is some interesting data out there. And, you know, there's, there's a, a case, a very famous case of a, a guy that turned blue and had a serious case of what the medical people would call argyria. And arge is Latin for silver. And the, here's the thing about that, is that he was taking, and a lot of people do, take these high doses of ionic silver. It turns out that silver ions, just these little single silver atoms that are missing an electron, they don't leave the body very readily. And what they do, actually, is they get trapped into the adipose tissue in the dermal layers of our skin. And then when the sun hits it, it acts like a photographic film and turns that, so it reduces the silver chemically and turns it to a, a gray, blue, uh, brown color. And it's not necessarily harmful, but it doesn't look very good. And uh, so that's, you know, that's the key with, with our product is it goes in the body and it leaves the body uh, without any side effects whatsoever. Okay, so since it's coming in the body, leaving the body within those 36, 72 hours, it can't turn someone blue, but also it's not going to deplete someone of their minerals as well, right? No, 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 no. It turns out that, you know, if you study the metabolic processes of our body, and uh, that's the biochemist in me, the silver actually plays no metabolic role in our body whatsoever. We don't metabolize silver. Our body doesn't even really look at it. And so, uh, no, it doesn't deplete minerals. I don't know where that comes from. You know, what's sad about our society is that if somebody says something, and this is what scares me about a lot about our society, and if they say it enough, well, it must be true. Mm -hmm. And it's simply not. So people aren't understanding the true science behind silver and just putting some claims up and then everybody believes it. I know we had, we live in a crazy society. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about though, how we can use silver and how silver is a great benefit to us because most people probably don't realize like every burn unit in the hospitals use silver for burns, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Silvadine and sulfur diazinine. Uh, have been used for years and years and years for uh, wounds uh, and uh, especially burn patients as well. And in so, our product, we actually have what we call a 510K FDA cleared product used as a medical device, uh, which is a gel that is used in hospitals uh, in Utah and other places. Uh, and we actually are able to call this a medical device. And so they do use it in, in medical facilities to take care of Wound, uh, wound beds, uh, burns, uh, decubitus ulcers, pressure ulcers. We, are, we can make those specific claims on that specific product. So people are thinking like, oh, this colloidal silver is this new and up and coming trendy thing. But in reality, it's been used for hundreds of years and even in 
modern times, it's been used for years and years in hospitals and wound care, burns, things like that, correct? Well, when you were, well, I don't know about you, you're kind of young, but when I was born, uh, they automatically, you know, babies that were born in, in my time frame, they don't really do it anymore, that they would actually squeeze a gel of silver nitrate into the baby's eyes to take care of any eye infections that happened along during the birthing process. Right. And that's because it's an antimicrobial, right? That's correct. So let's actually talk about that. What does it mean when you say that colloidal silver is an antimicrobial? So what we've done is we've done the testing. And uh, it actually turns out that my younger brother, when he was getting his master's and PhD at Brigham Young University, he did his uh, thesis on our product and the modes of action that, that our silver product does. The three main modes of action is that it steals electrons. And of course, all of us, our cells and everything else are put together with chemicals and they're held together by electrons. What silver does is it actually steals those electrons. So our particle will actually touch or come in contact with, let's say a pathogenic bacteria. And it will start stealing the electrons from the cell membrane or the cell wall from that, that organism and basically put holes in it. And so it kind of, quote unquote, bleeds to death. Or once it gets into the cell, it will actually interfere with the cell's ability to reproduce and to make energy as well. And so we have actually proven these metabolic pathways in pathogens that the silver acts on. So, and it does the same thing with, uh, with certain molds and yeast as well. So we've done... Uh, testing with a, a mold called aspergillus, for example, example, and that's what they call the black mold, which everybody knows that's really hazardous. And so we're able to inhibit the growth and destroy that organism, as well as this yeast called candida, which is the common yeast infection, well, in women. Okay, so being an antimicrobial, you can claim, can you claim that it can kill bacteria, mold, and fungus? Well, we have to be very careful with the regulatory our FDA is very, very specific with certain things. And so if we say it can kill, well, then does that mean that it's a drug? And our, our particle is not a drug. And, uh, but it does aid in the inhibition of the growth of those pathogens. Okay, that's so good to know. So talking about being an antimicrobial, it can kill bacteria, which we have talked about. So... Right now, it's a big thing out there about antibiotic resistance, right? People taking too many antibiotics, yeah. and then our bodies are becoming resistant to it, and then they, the antibiotic can't yeah. do what it needs to do for us, right? So It's a very scary situation. It is. So if silver is an antimicrobial, does it have that same antibiotic resistance? No. In fact, we've tested our... Uh, our product with those really nasty bugs like MRSA and VRE, and those are very resistant bacteria. And it turns out that our product does inhibit the growth of even those antibiotic-resistant bacteria. And so it, it really does inhibit the growth of all pathogens. Okay, but you can't say that silver is an antibiotic, correct? No, no, it is not an antibiotic. Based on the definition of what an antibiotic is, it's a drug. And silver, uh, as far as we have seen in research and everything that we have done, read in, uh, in uh, journals and scientific literature, that silver has not ever built up a resistance for those microbes. There is no antibiotic resistance with silver. 
Okay, so the main reason it can't be called an antibiotic is purely because colloidal silver is not a drug. That is correct. Okay, so let's talk about then, we've talked about it being an antimicrobial. Is silver an antiviral? Does it help viruses in any way? Well, the testing is very unclear with that. We have not done any really testing with viruses. Uh, but we do know that in a, like in a bacterium, which, you know, the same basic mechanism is, is mechanisms of like replication or type, you know, in there with nucleic acids. We do know that silver does get into, and I talked about this earlier, inhibiting the growth of and being able to stop the reproduction of. Uh, it gets into the nucleic acid mechanism and doesn't allow that DNA to reproduce itself as well. And since viruses are, you know, DNA or nucleic acid driven, uh, you know, I would assume that a similar mechanism happens. So can we say it's an antiviral or no? It just can help would, possibly. We just we just don't have the evidence to, to, to support that, you know, and we have the evidence. We've done the testing. We have the results of the, you know, the other microbes. We really haven't done the testing on the virus. Okay. So as we're talking about colloidal silver and talking about how it can be an antibacterial, maybe help with viruses, are we talking about putting it on the skin or in the body or both? Both, absolutely. You know, uh, our other gel products, not the necessarily the, F, uh, the FDA cleared products, they can help with uh, skin irritation. And I'm not talking about any skin irritation you can imagine. Uh, you know, sunburns, abrasions, and all those different types of of wounds, uh, silver does a really good job to keep that wound bed clean. And if the wound bed is clean, well, what is your cells going to do? They're going to go ahead and close the wound and uh, they're basically have, you know, it helps in the wound healing in that process, keeps it clean, keeps it free from any pathogens. And so the skin can do what it's supposed to do, which is basically heal. So that works for burns, bites, scrapes, cuts, rashes, all of those types of things. Mm -hmm. What about acne? Does it help with that? Well, what is acne? Bacteria usually. Okay. So yes, so you're saying yes, it will help or so can is, help. Is, you know, is, is acne, is, is it a wound, you know, by definition? And, uh, you know, the cause of acne, of course, is something totally different. But, you know, um, I've seen you know, in education, of course, youngsters, they have acne and I've seen very disfigured, you know, faces that have a lot of scarring on it and stuff like that. And a lot of that is due to, uh, you know, the, the skin having that opportunistic infection and allowing the skin not to heal up and causing those scarring. Okay. So with things like acne, eczema, things like that, the silver can help the wound, let's say, or the bacteria possibly but not necessarily, it's the not cause. going to address the root cause. Exactly. Okay, so good to know. Okay, let's talk about the different parts of silver and why silvers are not all created equal. Because there are, like you said, the nano versus, or there's colloidal versus ionic, right? Mm -hmm. There's also different size particles and there's also different concentrations and there's also coating. So almost like four different parts about silver that people should understand, correct? Well, yes. Yeah. I would say there's the four different parts to it, yes. Okay. So let's help our listeners out. If they're going to the store, do they want to look for ionic or colloidal? 
You want to look for colloidal silvers, not ionic. And, and again, the problem that we talked about earlier was the simple fact that ionic silvers have a tendency, if you take a lot of it, it tends to stay in the body and can cause you know, different issues with that. And colloidal silvers, they tend not to stay in the body. Uh, but it, again, it's the kind of the, the, the activity of those silvers. Our silver particle is very active in uh, inhibiting the growth of, of those organisms. Okay, so they're going to look for colloidal. And then also you've talked about parts per million. We already talked about that. So they know to look for less than 35 parts per million. Mm -hmm. um, now let's talk about the coating. Are all silvers coated or is this unique to yours? Um, coating, I mean, the silver particle, our silver particle is not necessarily coated. It's not surrounded by something else. It's surrounded by more silver in a silver oxide form. And it's that silver oxide that actually makes it highly antimicrobial. Other coated silvers are coated. It's somewhat true that if it's coated with a protein, well, your body sees that in the digestive system saying, hey, this is just another protein. Let's take it into our body. But then the silver is not as active, not as bioactive. The same thing uh, when they coat it with what they call oleic acid, which is basically a fat. What does your body recognize a fat? Yeah, sure, let's take it into the body. And so those types of, of coated silvers is a mechanism to get it into the body. Uh, where ours, we don't need that mechanism. It just is absorbed through the mucosa of the, skin, of the, uh, the body. Okay, so will all colloidal silvers flush out of the system or no? We have only done the testing with our silver. We know that ionic silvers probably will not flush out of the body. The other coated silvers, uh, we've seen some testing where they are into the body, and but there's no testing that they come out of the body. We've actually tested uh, with our human ingestion studies. We've tested it going into the body. So we've tested the bloodstream. And then we've tested uh, the urine and feces to find that it's in there going out of the body. Okay, good to know. So now let's talk about the size. Does it matter if it's a nanoparticle? You know, nanoparticles, everybody's kind of has this whole thing about nanoparticles. Remember what I said earlier about if people say it, they might believe it if it's said enough, right? Well, it turns out that nano just means small. It doesn't mean that it's this bad. Uh, for example, you take your vitamin B complexes, they're nano, your vitamin C complexes, they're nano because they're just small. So nano, nano is, a, is a size difference. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a function. So are all silvers or colloidal silvers out there? Are they all nanoparticles? No. Okay. Nope. I've seen, um, well, and if you look at the, the studies done on other silvers out there, but a lot of the colloidal silvers or the coated silvers are not true colloids because the particles are coating and the coating is so thick, it doesn't really make it a colloid. They're too big. Wow, this gets confusing for people who are looking for a good silver. So, okay, they're going to look for less than 35 parts per million. They're going to look for a colloidal silver, but will it say a nano size on the bottle as well? Some do and some don't. Uh, some say it's a coated silver, but they won't say what it's coated with until you actually do the deep dive into the company and find out what it's coated with. And so this is why there's so much confusion on the market about silvers, because it just varies so much in people's silver that they're producing. Yes. Okay. 
So let's move on now and talk about how we use silver and who can use it. Because can anyone use colloidal silver? Can kids, babies, pregnant people, breastfeeding? Let's go through all the groups. Well, what we've done with our product, and we have had, at this point, we have sold millions of bottles and millions of tubes of, of our products. And we have had no complaints and no adverse reactions to anything of, the, of our, our silver products. And so with that in mind, uh, we recommend, because we're under that regulatory, you know, that, that uh, FDA out there, that we recommend that children under the age of 11, breastfeeding and pregnant, consult a physician before they take a silver product. Now, do they do that? You know, I've heard all kinds of, of things and, and people that have called in and said they've used it for this and it's wonderful and they've used it for that. The off-label results have been actually quite uh, astonishing what people have used it for. Uh, but again, uh, they're off-label and so we just recommend um, adults 12 and older uh, follow the label directions and we've had no adverse or complaints. So you can't recommend it for little kids? I would always just say consult a physician. Okay. Good to know. So pregnant and breastfeeding possibly could use it if their physician said it was okay. Absolutely. Okay. And maybe some pediatricians like it and will say it's good for kids. But as long as their pediatrician has said it, then that's fine, right? You always have to refer to the medical professional. Okay. So here's my question. What if doctors don't even know much about silver? They, uh, we've had all kinds of physicians. We've had dermatologists and we've had pediatricians call in and we've had, you know, to explain how the silver works and what it does. And it's great. We've had dentists use it in a myriad of off-label ways and they say it's just a fabulous product. And so, yeah, the, the medical professionals, if they're educated, they're very pleased with the product. So maybe if your pediatrician isn't up on all the new things out there, or I shouldn't even say new, if they're not educated on all the nutritional things that are out there, maybe it's time to find a new pediatrician. Absolutely. <laughs> That's, there's, there, there, yeah, we, we had a, a patient call in the other day that their doctor was uh, questioning the silver. And so we had a conversation with that physician and uh, he was very pleased with, with what we had to offer. And so it went on from there. Yeah. Okay. So I have a few questions though about how we use it. Meaning like if someone has a burn, do they spray it every hour? Do they spray this or put it on, you know, 10 times a day, one time a day? What do we do with this? You know, topically you can apply the, the uh, immune support as often as you want to. Um, internally, we just say, say with the label, three teaspoons a day, and uh, that should give you plenty of silver to do whatever that you need to have done. Uh, topically, the wound gels, you can apply it as much and as often as you want to. Same with our cosmetic line, because the silver doesn't actually go into the wound bed and through the, you know, the membranes that way. It stays on top and uh, helps the wound heal from the outside. Okay, that's really good to know. So let me ask you about silver and detoxing, because that's sort of a trendy thing that you hear. I'll get followers say like, oh, I'm doing some detox cleanse in it. Part of it is silver. So can you say that silver helps with detoxing? 
Well, we had some people call in recently, and it was kind of a, actually quite a few people call in, and they're doing this parasitic cleanse that, that's out there lately. And they're asking all kinds of questions. Will silver you know, hurt the cleanse? Will it help with the cleanse? And it's interesting that these detoxes and cleanses are going on. If, if you're detoxing, you know, what, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to get rid of heavy metals in the body? Are you trying to get rid of pathogens in the body? And our immune support, you know, will fully help with uh, getting rid of that bio load, we call it, in the body, if that's what the detoxing is for. So the bio load, you're meaning, though, bacteria, or are you also talking about heavy metals? Uh, no, we're not talking about heavy metals. You know, and it's interesting about heavy metals is that we actually uh, test for heavy metals in our product. And our product is totally clear of heavy metals. And very few people actually actually consume heavy metals. And once those heavy metals are in the body, there's only certain heavy metals that will kind of stay in the body. And uh, But most of them don't. Most of them clear out anyway. Okay, let's actually talk about heavy metals since you brought this up. Because people will say, you're selling a silver? Isn't a silver a heavy metal? So they're confused yeah. because silver is a metal. So they're assuming it's a heavy metal. So what are we talking about when we're saying heavy metals? What is the definition of a heavy metal? Absolutely. Being a chemist, this just kind of really irks me that, you know, silver is a metal. All right. Is it a heavy metal? It depends on your definition of what a heavy metal is. Uh, some people define heavy metals as anything that has a, uh, an atomic weight of, of over, for an example, 200, uh, which are uranium and uh, geranium and uh, you know, all these Einsteiniums, these really rare earth type of, of heavy metals. We do know that gold, well, is gold a heavy metal? Well, gold is, you know, twice as heavy as what silver is. And so do people use gold uh, in their bodies? And the answer is absolutely yes. Does it do the body? Does it do good things in the body? We do know that nano gold injected into joints actually does help with arthritis. That's a proven, those are proven studies. You know, so this whole thing about heavy metals, is the heavy metal toxic? That's the question. And there are some metals that are very toxic. Cadmium, for example, super toxic. Mercury, we do know, you know, super toxic. Arsenic, arsenic is actually quite light, is a very light metal. Is it considered a heavy metal? No, it's not. But is it toxic? Absolutely. So this whole definition about heavy metals uh, versus non-heavy metals you know, it, it's it's kind of a, a claim that it, in my reality doesn't really exist. Silver is it's a metal. Is it considered one of the heavy metals by certain definitions? The answer is yes, it is. By other definitions, no, it's not. But is the metal toxic? And silver is not toxic up to a point. Okay, so heavy metals are very trendy right now because part um, people that make products like we do, we have to third-party test them to see what our heavy metal levels are. And so we are checking for arsenic, which you're saying is not really a heavy metal, um, but we check for arsenic and mercury and lead and cadmium, things like that. And so we should really call it a different name, right? We should call it toxic metals? Yes, absolutely. It should be called toxic metals. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the toxicity of gold is is really, really low, you know, and silver is even lower than, than gold for toxicity. Um, of course, 
you know, these, these scientists out there, they've done experiments. And those experiments do prove that those are toxic. So it turns out that if you take too much calcium, is that supposed to be good for the body? Well, if you take it in certain amounts, it's very toxic for the body. Same thing with sodium and potassium and all those metals that actually are in our metabolism. If you take too much, they do become toxic. But with cadmium and you know the lead and, and those types of heavy metals, they're toxic in very low levels. And that's why we're required to test for them. Okay, that makes sense. So we don't even want them in low levels due to their toxicity. Exactly. So why would silver, though, even be contaminated with lead or arsenic or mercury? It depends on the purity of silver. I mean, if you get silver from the mountain over, you know, across the way, it is going to have all of those, well, most of those other toxic metals associated with it in the earth. And so by the purification process, those heavy metals are extracted out of the silver to make the silver more pure. So it depends on, you know, for example, um, back in the olden days, pioneers used to put silver cones in, uh, coins in their water barrels to purify and make their water drinkable. Worked great. Uh, those silver coins, though, were not necessarily pure silver coins, so they actually had heavy metals associated with them as well. Um, uh, so, and some people are using silver coins to make their own ionic and colloidal silvers. And so, yeah, there's definitely probably toxic metals associated with those products. Oh my goodness, Steve. So when people are looking for silvers to buy, now they've got to make sure it's like a 99% silver as well, along with the size and uh, the parts per million and if it's colloidal. So there's a lot of things they've got to look at, right? That's why we very simplified the process. Our silver is pure and it is bioactive and it does a great job with what it's supposed to do. Okay. And that's why actually I use your guys's silver in my products because I really do think your silver is the best silver out there for all of these reasons that we've talked about. But let's actually talk about silver as a preservative because that's what I'm using it for, like in my body lotion, hyaluronic acid, things like that. So how is silver a preservative as well? Well, preservatives, what do they do? They inhibit the growth of microbes. And we've been shown, we've, we've proven that silver in very low levels, we've actually done preservative testing, uh, which is a, uh, you know, a, an FDA test for preservative effectiveness. It's, it's a, called a, a USP61 test. And we've done that testing with very low levels of our silver down to a quarter of a ppm. And it is, does actively act as a preservative at those really low levels. Because beauty products like lotion, they have water usually in them or something water-based. So they do need a preservative to inhibit that bacteria from growing, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. And the same with molds too. I mean, um, we've done testing with using distilled water with, with our cosmetics versus the silver. And within probably oh, a month or two, it does start to grow mold without that preservative effect of the silver. So why don't you think more beauty companies out there use silver as a preservative? Oh, the nasty ones that are out there, the parabens and the sorbates and the benzoates and the exahethylglycerins and that, the stuff they use for preservatives, it's so toxic out there. And a lot of it, they just don't understand or have not been educated or even know that silver can be used as a preservative. 
And, you know, it's just, they're very, very available, but there's, you know, I believe ours is the only company that actually produces silver as a preservative. Well, and it's those preservatives out there are also cheap compared to the silver. Not necessarily. No, uh, no, no, not necessarily. We can make the preservative silver very inexpensive, even more inexpensive than the sorbates and the benzoates and the, the parabens. I love hearing from a chemist. You say that these parabens and all these different preservatives are toxic because that's what I'm trying to do is educate people that these aren't the best for your body and they're going into your bloodstream, correct? That is so correct. So why do you think these companies are allowed to use these toxic ingredients? Well, because the FDA allows them to, plain and simple. How that got in there, the political aspect, it's way above my pay grade. Um, but they are allowed to use these very toxic uh, preservatives in our food, in our cosmetics, everywhere. Yeah, that's a whole another topic that we could talk about. Yeah. But, okay, let's talk about, though, your different products of silver, because you do have a wound wash silver, and that is FDA cleared, correct? That is, that is correct. We do have an FDA cleared wound wash. But if you buy your dietary supplement one, that silver that you can use for your immune system and helping your immune system or detoxing, that is not FDA cleared. That's correct, because you're taking it internally. And so will the FDA not clear it because you're taking it internally? That is correct. The FDA, way back in the history of the FDA, back in the 30s and 40s, they determined that silver was a heavy metal. And what do they say about heavy metals? They're toxic. And the FDA has not come on board with the new education and the new technologies to change their minds. Again, pretty political. Yeah, it is. And I know that just making my own beauty products, it's really interesting because they're really strict with like my SPF. But then mm. if it's not yeah. SPF, they don't care what I put in it. I could put anything in it, anything from toxic to amazing. And they don't, you know, really say anything about it. So yeah. it is an interesting process. And like I said, that's a whole nother topic that we could get on in a, on a different podcast. <laughs> um, okay. So let's go back to the benefits of colloidal silver. We talked about kids, babies, pregnant, breastfeeding. What about pets? Can we use colloidal silver on pets? We actually have a product called Pet Vet. And we actually have two products. We have the immune support, which is the same immune support for that we actually have for humans. And we have a wound gel for uh, pets as well. And it's the same gel as what we, uh, you know, have for our, uh, our cosmetic line. So yes, yes, you can use it on pets. Uh, we have no, no, no restrictions to use it on pets up to what we call the toxicity level uh, for the EPA. The EPA kind of regulates that. And, uh, for to be to become toxic for for pets, well, even us, you know, uh, they've done the studies where how much silver can you intake to become that toxic level according to the EPA, and the EPA with that we'd have to drink about eighteen hundred and thirty seven gallons a day. Oh wow, that's to huge. Become to that toxic level. So yes, very safe for pets. We've had good results with it. Again no complaints, no adverse reactions with pets. Uh, they've used it basically on all mammals. We, uh, uh, there's a company out there that uses what we call silver equine for, uh, for horses in, in Kentucky. And you know, Kentucky's a big horse state. 
so there's, uh, it's great for pets. Okay, good to know. So when I asked you um, about spraying it in your mouth or putting it as a gel, I forgot to ask you, so I'm going back to this. Can we spray it in our nose, our ears, our eyes, or you can't say that? Well, in your mouth is, is again, it's an oral supplement. That's what we can say. Okay. But I could tell people that it is an antimicrobial. So something like pink eye is bacterial, usually. So I could leave it at that and let them put their own conclusions together. We've heard of many off-label uses. And again, with no adverse reactions or complaints. Uh, so yeah, you can pretty much use your imagination of what people have used it for and been very successful. Okay, so good to know. Okay, talking about one other group of people using silver. Silver is really trendy in the biohacking world. So why don't you just tell my listeners what biohacking means or if you're a biohacker, what that is, and then maybe why they like the silver. It's a new field out there. Biohacking is a brand new field out there. There are what they call biohackers. And what, what is a hack? You know, when somebody hacks your computer, what do they do? They get in there, they figure it out, they know how it works, uh, and usually they do something bad, not something good. Biohacking is the same way. Biohacking is basically, to me, as an educator, it's an educating process that people have taken upon themselves to educate themselves on how the body works. And bio means life. You know, when I say it is bioactive, what does that mean? It's life. Well, guess what? Pathogens are alive. And so when I say it's bioactive, that's it's bioactive for pathogens. It's not necessarily bioactive for us. Um, but what does it do? It helps the body take care of what we call that bio load. So the body's systems, metabolism can run very efficiently, you know, and that's, that's, that's good health. And that's what biohacking is all about is, is good health. So basically you're a biohacker if you're just learning about your health and what can best benefit your health. I believe so. Okay. So, so all these stay-at-home moms that are listening or these college-age girls going to school, whatever, we can all call ourselves biohackers. Absolutely. <laughs> there you go, listeners. You all have a new name. Okay, so that's why they like silver, though, and why silver is trending in the biohacking world, because they understand the benefits of how silver can help their immune system, how it can help with the pathogenic cells, how it can help with wounds and bacteria and all those things, correct? And it works. Right. Okay, so to wrap up here, what little advice, what tips would you give these listeners or what last bits of advice would you give them about silver? Be cautious out there. Uh, be very cautious in the marketplace. Uh, there's just so many products out there that just, they don't meet my standard for sure. I would never take any other silver, but the silver that we make, because we, we know that it does, it does what it's supposed to do. And it doesn't cause any adverse problems with, with our bodies. And so just be cautious in the marketplace, really do your research. And if you have any questions, you know, feel free to reach out. I love that advice to be cautious because I also believe you need to be empowered with uh, knowledge. These days, there are so many products on the market. They are made by who knows who with who knows what, right? And so it's so important to learn about ingredients, uh, which ingredients are nourishing to our body that are beneficial to our body versus those that are toxic to our body. And so it's finding those good companies that are wanting to do the best for us. Exactly. 
Thank you so much for being here and explaining silver to my listeners. I always end my podcast with asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. What would you say it is? You know, to me, as I get older, um, I did the big 60 this year, which was painful. Just saying I'm 60. For me, it's it's good health and well-being. That, that to me is the best ingredient for life. I love that. And I really love that because I wasn't feeling so good about two weeks ago. And when you're not feeling well, you realize, wow, I really take my good health for granted. Things are so much easier when you feel good and have energy and can do a lot of things. So I really do love that, that the best ingredient is good health because that is so important. So thank you for saying that. And thank you, Steve, for being here and explaining all of this to my listeners. Tell my listeners where they can find your products. Uh, You can find us uh, on Instagram at uh, silverbiotics, or you can find us at silverbiotics.com. Those are probably the best two places to find our list of uh, silver salt technology products. And they have amazing products, you guys. And like I said earlier in the show, they are the silver that I use in my products. And that's because I really have researched silver a lot and looked into different companies. And they are by far the best silver, the safest silver, most effective silver on the market. And so that's why it's in my products. And that's why I support their company as well. So thank you again, Steve, for being here and taking the time to explain all of this. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.